what's your sign? From being a cliched pickup line to an actual spiritual practice, astrology has maintained popularity for so many people throughout history. But how does it fit in with a Christian worldview? Is it okay to read your Bible and your horoscope? Are the zodiac signs harmless fun or an insidious tool of the enemy? And can't open-minded modern Christians make space for the potential truths found in these mystical practices? We're going to be talking about all of those things and more on today's episode of Theology on Air. Well, welcome back to Theology on Air. Uh, I am Sarah Stone, one of your hosts for today. I'm the Outreach Director for Young Adults at MDPC here in Houston, joined by the lovely co-producer, Evan McClanahan, Senior Pastor mm -hmm. at First Lutheran in Midtown, Houston. And uh, we are joined again, back by popular demand, um, <laughs> by a friend of the show, our guest, Marsha Montenegro. Welcome, Marsha. Hello. Thanks so much for having me, Sarah. Of course. Um, we may just have to make it a yearly tradition. Uh, before trusting Christ, Marsha was a professional astrologer, so she's very well suited to talk to us today. She taught astrology as well as was involved in Eastern and New Age practices for many years. And through her ministry, Christian Answers for the New Age, which you can Google later if you want, uh, Marsha speaks around the country and on podcasts and is a published writer. She has a master's in religion from Southern Evangelical Seminary in Charlotte, North Carolina, and serves as a missionary with Fellowship International Mission in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Phew, that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> you took all the energy from the new age stuff and just put it into helping people understand long, long words, yeah. long sentences. Yes. <laughs> oh, it's great. It's great. And just for those of you joining us, if this is one of your first times, uh, checking out theology on air, we are, a um, product of theology on tap, which is a ministry to young adults in Houston and all over in the virtual age, uh, where we drink craft beer and we talk about fascinating things around culture and philosophy and religion, faith, the Bible, all that. Um, and so if you like us, please rate and review us or just hit that subscribe button. It's super easy. I did it today to one of my podcasts. It took 0.4 nanoseconds. No, I'm making that up, but you should subscribe. Um, and you can also check out more about us at HoustonTOT.com. And I think that's all of the boring stuff out of the way. So now we can get to the juicy stuff. What's your sign, Evan? Do you even know? I'm a Scorpio. So, okay. I'm so a Libra. Tell me everything that that means. <laughs> Should we be friends? I was going to say, or, or do we not? make good friends or is this dude? Oh, forget it. I, I <laughs> yeah. think we all should just give up. She won't even play act. Anymore. I know, I know. She She's like, it's that pretend. bad. Yeah. Well, okay. So Marsha, why don't, I know you did a little bit of this in the podcast, but assuming people are listening today that didn't hear that one, just tell us a little bit about your own kind of personal background and what drew you to astrology to begin with. And I do want to eventually hear how you were drawn out of it. Maybe that's part of this, or maybe we tell that further on, but oh, excuse me. Okay. Um, yes, my background is uh, many years, uh, 20 years in what is called the new age. And that included uh, getting involved in some Eastern uh, religions. Mm -hmm. I was um, interested in Hinduism at first and read some stuff on that. I became a believer in reincarnation. Um, and I went from there into uh, a Tibetan Buddhist group. I didn't belong to the group, but I went to the weekly meetings and I learned, I was taught how to meditate by the leader of that group, uh, the Tibetan Buddhist type meditation. I read a lot of books by the leader of that particular 
school of Tibetan Buddhism. There's four major schools of Tibetan Buddhism. A lot of hmm. people think the Dalai Lama is, is it, but yeah. actually he's the head of one of the four schools. And I thought so, he was sort of the Pope of Buddhism, but I yeah, guess not. He, was, he became the head guy. Yes, he did become the head guy. But um, there are three other schools of Buddhism and they all have, you know, variations. They're all not exactly the same. And the one I was a part of was led by a guy named Choigam Trungpa, who was known as the bad boy of Buddhism. <laughs> that's <laughs> kind of a fun title. That's another story. Quite a story. I mean, I have stories about my, my, some of the things in that group. Um, and so I was involved in that. And then I went from that into Zen Buddhism. I don't remember how that happened, but I was reading some materials um, on Zen Buddhism uh, things by Alan Watts and T.D. Suzuki and people like that who basically helped popularize Zen Buddhism in the United States. Mm -hmm. And I was drawn more to Zen Buddhism and left Tibetan Buddhism more or less behind most of it. Uh, and at the same time, I had an interest and always had had an interest in the supernatural. Mm -hmm. And actually, I was interested in astrology in high school. And that never left me in, in college. I still had that interest. And I knew a little bit about each of the 12 zodiac signs to the extent that I would get questions from friends like, you know, I really like um, Jack, but he's yeah. a Aries. And, you know, I, I am Pisces. Would we get together? You know, would we get along? You know, so I would get questions like that from time to time. So that stayed with me, but I didn't actually plunge into the world of astrology until I had already been in the new age for several years. Mm -hmm. And then I took some astrology classes and I, that made me like it even more, even though the initial part of it is learning math. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. That would lose me. Uh, yeah. Well, it, yeah, I tell you that I tell people that just shows how much I wanted to learn it because mm -hmm. I hate math. And I really struggled in school with, with math. I mean, all forms of it. It doesn't matter what it was. You know, I just, I'm just terrible. I'm still terrible at math. But I don't even know how to calculate a percentage of something. I mean, I'm just really bad. But so I would if you ever received a reading, your astrology reading from Marsha, now it's just, it's devoid. Because her math is terrible. So we can't even <laughs> count any of that. No, no. Yeah. I you can get your money back. I, I did learn it enough, though, to pass the test because then I had to take a seven hour exam. Ooh. So I learned it. Not only did I learn how to do it, but I taught people how to calculate the chart mathematically. I had those formulas down pat. Wow. So learn a series of formulas. And what you're doing is you're learning to convert, um, for example, you know, central time or, or Pacific time, whatever time the person was born in. You're learning to convert that to actual real time. Because those are not real times. Those are artificial times. Okay. So you learn to convert it to the actual real time. And then you base the chart, the picture of all the planets and the sun and moon at the time of birth on the place of birth. So the location is going to make a difference. Yeah. And that comes out into a circle, um, you know, 360 degrees that's divided usually into 12 areas like 12 pieces of pie and those are the 12 houses oh okay so you have you know num house number one through 12 and this and the sun moon and planets will fall in there depending on where they were at the time and place of birth 
So okay. it's a very kind of individualized birth. That's the birth chart. That's what yeah. astrologers do. They compute, or now of course computers do it. So you don't have yeah. to do it by hand. And they get the chart computed, and that's what you that's what's used by the astrologer to interpret the position of those planets. Okay. So anyway, I was very fascinated by this, I think because I was drawn to it because it was like, uh, kind of like learning another language, you know, mm-hmm. you had the planets and you had the signs, what did they mean? You know, what does Gemini mean? What does Aries mean? What does it mean to have the sun uh, at the top of your chart, et cetera, et cetera. All of this intrigued me, I think, because I was just intrigued by knowing things most people didn't know. I I think that's something that just was a draw for me Mm -hmm. and astrology for whatever reason had this kind of pull on me. I felt really called to it. And of course I, 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 um, one reason I, one way I explained that was I must've been an astrologer in previous lives. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that made sense to me that then, you know, that that when I believed that I thought, yeah, see, that's why I like astrology. I've done it before. Yeah. And so um, I had to, in in Atlanta, which is where I was living, um, they had a very active astrological society and they actually had set up an exam because um, there had been a time when astrology was illegal in Atlanta, which it still is illegal in a lot of cities. It depends on the city. It's a very uh, localized kind of jurisdiction it's ruled by local you know local officials so it could be the city it could be the county it could be the state usually it's the city or the county and Atlanta had in the city limits it was illegal to do astrology because it was classified as fortune telling and fortune telling was technically illegal so the astrologers uh went to well one of them went to Weich Fowler who eventually became a senator Um, And he was on the city council and said, you know, this isn't fair because we really work hard at what we do. We're not con artists, et cetera, et cetera. So they said, okay, what we're going to do is we'll make it so that you can't do this. If you're a con artist, you have to really know what astrology is about. You can't just make things up. So they had it so that you had to pass an exam and then you had to buy a business license from the city to practice legally, but to buy the business license, you had to qualify by showing you passed an exam. So there is an exam given by the American Federation of Astrologers that's given at different times of the the year in different cities. But Atlanta set up its own um, astrology board of examiners so that you didn't have to travel, you could just take the test there in Atlanta. And so that was set up before I came onto the scene. That was set up before I came to Atlanta. And um, I think it was set up like in 1969 or something like that. So by the time I took the exam, um, it had been around for a number of years, but it was a seven hour exam. It's actually very complicated because not only do you do the math and you have to calculate a chart by hand, you can't use a calculator or anything, Um, but then you have to interpret a chart too. Mm -hmm. So you have to write out the interpretation. That's why it's a seven hour exam. It sounds terrible, but (laughs) I was nervous. Yeah, I was nervous, but I passed like that's longer than the GRE and that hurt my brain. But at least when you're, (laughs) you know, getting your whatever and you're paying for it, you're getting your money's worth. I mean, you know, they're not just a hack. So they're, you know, 
Yeah, actually, you don't. I'm trying to remember if I even had to pay for. Um, I think I would. I think an astrologer showed me how to do this because there wasn't a class. I eventually became a teacher for the class for people who wanted to take the test. Hmm. And it was my idea to offer workshops on it. And I, I usually had two workshops. Each one would be like three hours or something. And you would come and I would I would teach you how to calculate it. And then I would go over the basics of interpretation for people who wanted to take the exam. But I, but when I had to learn it, I had to learn it from one of the astrologers there in Atlanta, just one on one. I don't think he charged me, as I recall. He didn't charge me. Let's let's scoot forward just a little bit, just for those of people that haven't when I was little, I was told not to mess with astrology. So I don't I joke about it. I literally just know that I'm a Libra. That's it. I know nothing else. So for other people that know nothing else, walk us through what it might look like if someone comes to you and then you make a chart for them. Um, what kinds of things are you telling them? What kinds of and and how is it that the stars and moon and which house and moon rising and Mercury and I don't know all the stuff. <laughs> how, how is that supposed to tell them things about themselves? Like kind of give us a little picture. Okay. There. Well, the astrologer believes that the birth chart represents your life path. It represents your personality, your characteristics, your weaknesses, your strengths and what you have brought into this life from a previous life. Most astrologers, at least the ones I knew, believed in reincarnation because we were- Is that a must for astrology? Is that a request? It's not a must. It's not a must, but it tends to be a common view. Okay. Because most astrologers are new agers. So- in this country. So they, and most new agers believe in reincarnation. I'm only asking some of these questions because I know we have several people that are Christians that think there's nothing wrong with this. And so I'm, I'm thinking through the sort of what you would say, like, well, do you also believe in reincarnation? Okay. But continue on. Okay. So the astrologer will, will have looked at the chart beforehand. Then when they're with the client, they will just start interpreting. I used to just look at whatever seemed to be the most dominant factor in the chart. And I would start with that, which would mean that there may be a planet was at a particular crucial point in the chart. There's four cardinal points. And if you have a planet there, that's very uh, supposedly meaningful. Mm -hmm. Um, Or maybe there may be a powerful conjunction, like your sun might be conjunct Saturn and Neptune or something like that, which would be unusual. And you would want to talk about that. So I would start with what seemed to be a really strong point in the chart. And then I would just kind of go from there because there's so much to say. There's so many different combinations and options going on in the chart. For example, you know, you could have a son, you could be, have been born a Libra like you, but your son is maybe next to Neptune and it's in the ninth house, which is a house of expansion, adventure, education. Mm -hmm. Um, And now, or if I'm looking at a chart with a son, and Neptune in Libra, maybe in the 12th house, that would be a, com- a different interpretation. Hmm. So you're looking at these factors and interpreting them as you look at them. And I would say things like, um, I can see that you have a very strong need to um, push boundaries. I see that you have a need to uh, go outside the box that you like to explore. You probably like to travel or want to travel. Um, you don't like to be confined. You don't do well with structure. 
Um, you know, that's just an example, but I would go, I would continue on because then I would look at relationships and I would talk about relationships. You're attracted to older men. You're attracted to men like your father, or you're attracted to very unstable, unpredictable men. Okay. So that might be the planet Uranus in the seventh house of relationships. So, you know, there's all these different factors you're putting in there and you get, you get, you start adding on layers and layers of things. And yeah. so then it goes to relationship. Maybe uh, you talk about the childhood, if there's significant factors supposedly about the childhood, um, the job, you know, career, maybe um, those, you know, it's those kind of things that, and that's what most people want to know about. Of course they do. Yeah. <laughs> um, and especially of course, my women clients wanted to know about relationships most mm-hmm. of all. Men clients, male clients. Um, we want to know about jobs and monster trucks. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> I didn't. I don't know how to do a monster truck from an astrology chart. <laughs> I don't know how you see the monster truck in the astrology chart. That's kind of funny. Yeah, but yeah, men would be more oriented towards their goals. What should they do with their life? Um, I mean, they would want to know about relationships as well. Sometimes, if they were like in one and they were. Um, maybe had questions about it. Yeah. But, um, you know, so those are the areas that you touch on. I didn't do, I'm not financially oriented and I'm not good at economic things, but there is a way where you supposedly can see financial things in the chart, but I never did it because I'm not good at that and I didn't learn it. So yeah, I can I see though, because- I can see how people would not only people that would come to you would love to hear this kind of stuff. It's what we all want to know. We want to talk about ourselves. We Mm -hmm. want to think about ourselves, but -hmm. I can imagine as you being the one talking to people, like it feels like you're helping them and you're making connections. That's got to feel good. You were going to say something, Evan. Well, who wrote the chart? You keep talking about (laughs) the chart. Are there competing charts? Is there an author of this chart? I'm I'm guessing it evolved over time and, you know, from the great mystery. Yeah. And nobody really knows. It's just, well, obviously nobody wrote it really. If it's true, it's just in the stars, but oh, you know, I mean, right. I mean, but. Okay. Yeah. Actually there, there's an answer to what you're asking. Astrology, um, for example, as it's practiced today is very different from even, um, or somewhat different from a hundred years ago, um, or maybe a little over a hundred years ago. Um, it was much more fatalistic, like mm. in the 1800s, it was very fatalistic. And my understanding is that astrology in India is still like that. That's more fatalistic. So you look at things in the chart and it's more definitive, like, well, you are going to have unsuccessful marriages or you will never be happy with your children or something like that. It's, it's a more fatalistic thing. Whereas when, when psychology came about in the late, you know, 19th century, and early 20th century, astrology had a tremendous influence. I mean, um, psychology had a tremendous influence on astrology. Hmm. And there were some early astrologers in the early 1900s who started combining psychological concepts with the chart, with the planets and what they represented. So they started representing psychological factors about a person, as well as the traditional meaning. And then Carl Jung, who was he's at the bottom like, of so many problematic things Sorry. he is, he is, except, for he the is. except for the police's album synchronicity which is which was influenced by young and philosophy carry on I'm thank you for oh, that. okay yeah. <laughs> um so carl jung 
um, had this view of archetypes and he believed that in the collective unconscious of humanity, something kind of like a mind we all share mm-hmm. are these images and ideas that we all have and we all look up to. And these are like archetypes, like the hero, you know, the mother, mm-hmm. I don't know, the martyr, different archetypes. And he believed that the planets were tied into these archetypes. And so he saw astrology as a way, uh, he believed astrology expressed some of these things he believed. And that that kind of thinking got very much into astrology. A lot of astrologers are actually also Jungian psychotherapists. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the Jungian worldview is often a part of astrology. Now, I'm not saying every astrologer would necessarily use it, but a lot of them sure. do. I did, my friends did, um, you know, we read, we read stuff like that and incorporated it into astrology. And so you're also kind of doing this pseudo psychological mm-hmm. counseling session with the client. You're mm-hmm. not just telling them things about this and that, this about your mother, this about your husband, whatever. You're talking about them as a person, like you really have a hard time letting go. You really want to hang on to what's secure. You're afraid of, of something new, you know, that kind of, we kind of put this psychological spin on it. Yeah. And so these sessions were sort of like a therapy session, although I'm not qualified as a counselor or a psychologist. I have no training in it, you know, except things I read on my own, but I essentially was acting that way for a lot of clients. And a lot of clients would tell me, Hey, um, you know, you're, you know, me better than my therapist. I mean, I had some of them tell me. (laughs) So I, you know, or they would say, oh, that's what my therapist says. Well, you know, it's just part of the way this, the astrological chart seems to work. And I want to really um, emphasize seems to work. Yeah. Not work. Well, that's actually what we're getting to next, because I want, I think the question on everybody's mind is, so what's so terrible about it? Starting with, is it actually accurate? Does it work? I mean, if we want to say that there's something wrong with it spiritually, we can say that. But if it actually has some, it turns out that when you were born really does define X, Y, Z, then we have to wrestle with that. So is there any accuracy to it? There appears to be, there is apparent accuracy. Okay. And there's reasons for that. There's several reasons. One is when somebody consults an astrologer, in most cases, they either believe in astrology or they want to believe in it, mm-hmm. or they think there might be something to it. So they're so there's open. like confirmation bias kind of. Yeah. Yeah. They're open to it. So that helps them, you know, believe the things they hear. Secondly, um, the person is listening, listening and remembering selectively. So oh, yeah. they, the, the client will remember things the astrologer said that were accurate and forget the things that aren't, or they would, or maybe explain them away. That's convenient for you as the astrologer. Well, well, yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, and that's how things like that work. That's how um, personality tests work. Yeah. How they work too. Yeah. Um, And so you're being selective without realizing it. Uh, A third factor is that general statements made by the astrologer will be applied specifically by the client. So I may make something that's more or less a general statement, like you really hate to let go of things. It makes you feel insecure. And they may think of a specific thing they're going through or have gone through and that 
where they were like that. And they'll think, yeah, that's so true. That's so me. Mm-hmm. When maybe if they really took a long look at their life, maybe they've, they've actually done well in some situations that they were able to let go of. But, mm-hmm. you know, you tend to grab onto something you relate to right away. Um, the other, there's another factor. Uh, there's, oh, there's the factor of coincidence. You can sure. never, never rule that out. The other factor, and this is really the, the real, truly evil factor, is that astrologers have spirit guides. Okay, I had oh. spirit guides. My friends had spirit guides. This was a common thing. We all knew it. Um, spirit guides are common in the new age. They believe these are, um, you know, that people may have different ideas of who these spirit guides are. I believed that they were these advanced spiritual souls who mm-hmm. <laughs> had lived many lives and had evolved to this higher level of knowledge and wisdom. Mm-hmm. And they were there on another plane of reality, but they were there to teach people like me who were on a spiritual path mm-hmm. and was, were trying to advance spiritually in their life. And as an astrologer, I'm trying to help others advance spiritually. So I would have a spirit guide who would help me with that. So I believed that my spirit guide was helping me guide me through my chart. And I, I did, I did often feel guided through the chart. So um, do you now attribute that to just your own kind of brain telling you, or do you think there was something actually demonic happening there? Oh, no, I think, oh, there was something demonic. I've been introduced to my spirit, my main spirit guide in a guided uh, meditation when I'd taken a course called inner light consciousness. And I had taken this course before I became an astrologer. Um, I didn't know we were going to get a spirit guide from this. I took the course because it was about inner light consciousness. And that appealed, that idea appealed to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it was basically a crash course in the new age. It's what it was. And they did a guided visualization every night, um, this, that, which took you through the seven. Uh, it starts off at, at, at one color where you visualize it, something red. You visualize a scene that you want to see, and you, you see it as red, and then you see it as yellow. And, and actually, what that correlates to are the seven chakras. chakras. Yeah, yeah, you knew it. You got you got an A. <laughs> well, or. Yeah. Or I've made some unwise choices. <laughs> My chakras are aligned. Everything's Isn't fine. When they put the hot rocks on you at the spa, don't they do that? On the yes. Side? They mess with yes. your chakras there too. Okay. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. I'm- that's supposed to be on the chakras. Right. Okay. So I've warned P I've been warning people for years about spas. They're very new age. So you, you, um, you visualize this. I realized later it was chakras. I didn't realize yeah. it at the time. And then on the very last night, the teacher said, okay, tonight at the end of the meditation, we're going to do something different. You're going to be introduced to your spiritual master. Ooh, that's what he, he called, called it. Yeah. Spiritual master. That's like, that's a triggering word for me. When I hear master or slave, that's, it makes me think of slaves, right? Like, that's, yeah, that would yeah, have been a, yeah, that didn't tip you out. That didn't feel yucky. You were just, you were along for the ride. I was, I was excited. Yeah. Because yeah. I thought, you know, this, this will be something, you know, this will be somebody to help me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and so when we did the meditation and he added that on at the end, after that was over, he asked people to share, you know, what, what, who did you see? What happened? What did, did the master say anything? Blah, blah, blah. So a few of us shared about it. I did see somebody 
um, he didn't talk to me, but I saw him. And I actually felt his presence with me from that day on. Oh, Marsha, man. Yeah, well, that actually, you know, that was sort of a turning point for me, because after that point, I just, it's like everything just accelerated in my spiritual life as far as, you know, as far as new age spirituality goes, Mm -hmm. it just accelerated. um, Because interest in it, or do you mean your ability to because because one of the questions is sort of what makes it work so spirit guides is one yeah so did it accelerate its accuracy or something to that effect both it accelerated um, my interest and um, my ability to have what i called psychic experiences um uh, revved up quite a bit i'd had some along the way um and especially when i started doing astrology i would have insights on the person that just came into my brain Hmm. and they were often very accurate I and now uh I I definitely think this was from my spirit guide or guides that was passing me this information about the person because some of them were too specific Mm -hmm. um for me you know to say it was coincidence it was they were just too specific so, uh, and plus they were just kind of like these flashes, either an image or some words that would come to my head. And wow. then I would say something to the client and they would say, how did you know that? And I would say, well, it's in your chart because it was while I was looking at the chart that it would come to me. Mm-hmm. So um, I definitely, you know, believe spirit guides are real. Now, who, what are, I should say what the spirit guides are. Um, the spirit guides are not these advanced, enlightened spiritual beings who want to help you. They're fallen angels is what they are. (laughs) They're not wanting to help you. They're wanting to lead you away from Christ, lead you away from God, lead you into further and further deception. That's what they want to do. I have to ask, I want to talk a bunch more about all of the kind of astrological stuff, but I'm just so curious. Everything that you're describing sounds like it would just make it more and more tempting, more and more kind of like a, a, a sexy allure to this whole thing. So what in the world brought you out of it? Like, how did you come out of this? I know I'm jumping to the end of the story, but I'm. Okay. You want to hear, the, you want to hear the end? <laughs> yeah. And then, I mean, I want to talk more about actual astrology, okay. what the okay. problem is, how we respond to people, but I'm just, I mean, as you're talking, I think, why would you ever leave that? It sounds amazing for someone to walk into your whatever studio or whatever. And for you to know things about them, I would never want to walk away from that. If I didn't already know there was something wrong. I didn't, I didn't want to walk away from it. I had no desire to leave it. I loved astrology. Um, I, I, I'd be, I was a teacher. I'd be, I was teaching astrology. I was chairperson of the astrology board of examiners for three of the four years I was on it. I was president of the astrological society. I was incredibly involved. I was on like four different committees, including the speakers committee, where I went and spoke to groups in the city, like the Lions Club, yeah. Parents Without Partners about astrology. Aww. So I was very much into it. Um, and I loved being an astrologer. So I had no desire to leave, to leave it. So what it, what it took was God just intervening in my life. Um, just frankly, just, you know, he, he, he did it in this kind of, it wasn't a sudden thing. It was like this gradual thing where um, I first started getting this compulsion to go to a church. Um, mm-hmm. And this was the spring where I was at beginning to end my term as president of the, I was still president of the Astrological Society. And I started getting this compulsion to go to a church, which I didn't understand because I didn't really, I didn't go to church and yeah. I didn't want to go to church. So I didn't understand 
why I felt I should go. And it was very strong, like it wouldn't, it wouldn't leave me alone. But um, I didn't want to go, so I didn't go. And that started around, uh, it was in the spring, so I'm thinking it was probably in April. And then it continued on through the summer. Um, in August, I went to an astrological conference in Eugene, Oregon. It was sponsored by the guy who published a magazine that I had been writing for for three years. And it was the second time he had done it. He had done one two years earlier, and I had spoken at that conference. And I was, he flew me. I mean, I, my expenses were all paid. The, the flight, the, the hotel, everything was paid, my food. And I gave a couple of workshops at that conference. And actually a few things weird happened there, but I, it'll take too long if I go into that. So I'll just okay. say strange things happen. Then I came back to Atlanta and that um, compulsion to go to a church hadn't gone away. So I decided it was probably something from one of my past lives as a Christian. Oh, interesting been, twist. You get yeah. <laughs> Well, that was my rationalization. Yeah. I thought, okay. There's this probably, pesky past life. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Unfinished business. So I thought I'm going to go to a church and maybe I'll realize what it is. Yeah. So I went to this really large church in downtown Atlanta where I had never been, where I was sure nobody knew me. And um, well, most, most people in most churches would not have known me because <laughs> yeah. I wasn't going to church. Or maybe they had your name on bulletin boards. Like if you've seen this woman, do right. not listen to what right. she says. No. So I went there um, and um, I sat in the back on the end of the pew because my plan was to leave after 15 or 20 minutes. Sure. I thought I'm going to get my insight, you know, in the first 15 or 20 minutes. If I don't, I'm going to leave. So I, you know, I sat there. They started the service. Everyone stood up. They played music. They had a procession from the back. Now, the churches I had gone to mostly when I was younger, besides some generic Protestant churches when we lived overseas, um, were Baptist type churches. So I wasn't used to liturgy or anything, but I was standing up and they had this procession from the back and there was a young boy carrying a cross at the head of the procession. And as he walked by me, this really very freaky thing happened. Um, I felt this love. Hmm. pouring on me like a waterfall from above oh. um I knew it was from God I knew it was from a personal God uh telling me he loved me okay now wow. I, can, I don't think I can really express how bizarre this was to me because I didn't believe in a personal God mm -hmm. yet I knew this personal God was real just like that that's amazing. Yeah, I knew it was real, but I still didn't really believe it. I don't know how to explain it. It was like, I knew it was real, but I didn't, I think maybe I didn't want to believe it. Sure. But it was like, he was expressing love to me. And I actually had tears coming down my cheeks. And so I stayed for the whole service. Yeah. And then I decided to go back the following Sunday. So I went back and I kept going each Sunday. Now I was still completely immersed in my new age world. I didn't understand what was being said in the service or why it was being said. I even ended up, I met this woman who had left the Catholic church because she wanted to be a priest. And of course you can't do that in the Catholic church. Mm -hmm. So she became, she decided to become Episcopalian. Mm -hmm. And she told me about this group that was meeting in the, with the rector every week. Um, he's like the minister yeah. uh, meeting with the rector. And um, she said, you, sh you should come to the group. You know, it's really great. We're doing this and that. And I thought, okay, you know, I want to, meet people. So I, I started going to this group 
and um, he was going through the Gospel of Mark. And um, I still didn't understand things. I just did not understand what was being said. I, I was just so, I was so, um, <laughs> I was so steeped in my new age worldview. I was completely, you know, it was just uncomprehending to me what Christianity really was, even though I had supposedly learned about it when I was younger. Um, and, but the one thing I noticed was during the um, services, when they said Jesus Christ, Mm -hmm. or Jesus Christ that it had this effect on me and um sort of like this this electrical effect or something and I it just kind of like would grab me I didn't understand why but I liked hearing it I liked hearing the Lord Jesus Christ mm. and um within a matter of weeks I started getting the impression that astrology uh, God didn't like astrology <laughs> now <laughs> I kind of knew that I kind of knew that Astrology and Christianity supposedly didn't mix. I just had picked that up. Um, I knew the Bible was, I, or I didn't know for sure, but I figured the Bible was against it. Um, but this was still kind of startling to me because it was so personal. Mm -hmm. And it was like God was telling me, you know, astrology is bad. And I didn't like, I didn't like that message. Yeah. So I just resisted it and put it to the side. But it was hard. It was very hard. And then it shortly after that, it became the message became, I want you to give it up. Hmm. Now, I, I want to emphasize I wasn't hearing a voice. Yeah, um, it was uh, impression is my my best word for it. Just this kind of impression. And I thought, you know, why should I give astrology up? Because I'm helping people. Oh, why yeah. does God want me to give up something that people tell me that, you know, I'm helping them? Yeah. So what wouldn't God be for this? And so that confused me, but it was, it, and, and I didn't want to give it up. So I resisted um, for a short while. I wasn't able to resist very long. And I thought I've got, I've got to give this up. And I just made a decision to give it up. And this was very strange. Um, a lot of strange things happened around this time. And uh, my clients would call me and they would want to make an appointment with me. Cause I usually saw my clients would come see me at least once a year for an update on their chart because mm -hmm. you look at for the present um, position of the outer planets and where they're moving in the next year. In oh, sure. Yeah. 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 So you that's, do like an update. So that checks out. And I would tell them I, you know, I can't do it. Or I would have a new client call me that got my name from someone and, and want me to do their chart. And I said, I'm sorry, you know, I can't do it. And so if the people knew me, um, they would sometimes they would say, why? can't you do it? And I would say, because somehow astrology is separating me from God. Wow. And they would say, how? And I, I, I my answer was, I don't know. <laughs> that was my well, that's honest. I, mean, I, said, I said, I don't know. I said, I really don't know, but somehow it is. And they were like, well, you know, okay, whatever, you know. And so then I would give them the name of another astrologer. So I was in this sort of limbo where I wasn't an astrologer. And I wasn't a Christian. And it was really just this limbo, this really weird space where I did not know what was going on. But I decided that I should read the Bible mm -hmm. uh, since I was going to this church and I wasn't doing astrology. So I thought, okay, you know, I'll read the Bible. I started with Matthew chapter one, verse one. And I started reading a little bit every night. I didn't, again, I didn't understand really what I was reading. Mm -hmm. um, but I was reading it. I noticed though that the words I think I even wrote this in my journal that the words of the Bible were pure. 
That mm. was the word. That was the word I used. They're pure. They're like, it's like I hadn't ever read anything else where I thought the words were pure. And these words were pure. And that this, this had a real effect on me because it was different from anything I had read before. And then one evening, as I was reading um, an account in Matthew 8, it's actually the account of Jesus on the boat and the storm. And the disciples wake him up and he rebukes the sea and the wind. And it was in, it was in Matt, the Matthew account that I was reading. And that story just kind of grabbed me and I kept rereading it. And as I was reading it again for, I don't know what, maybe the third or fourth time, I don't know now. I don't know. My eyes were just open. God opened my eyes and I saw who Jesus really was. And I realized I had been separated from God my whole life, that I had been on the spiritual path leading away from God, Wow! that I had a false God, a false Jesus that if I had died, I would have gone to hell. All of these things, like I sort of realized in like, just, I don't know, a matter of seconds. Hmm. And I just turned my life over to Christ at that moment. And I immediately knew I was a different person. Now, this was, this was a very dramatic conversion. Um, I think partly because of what I came out of, but I think also partly God wanted, had it that way so I could share this. Yeah, exactly. A lot of people have told me that this has encouraged them to pray for people that they have seen very resistant. Yeah. And and I I tell them, look, if God can reach me, I mean, God can reach anybody. It's not just because he can reach me. He can reach anybody he wants to. That's right. But, you know, this tends to encourage people Um, now. And what I need to say is the backstory, the behind the scene things going on that I did not know about at the time. And I found out actually in April, this happened. This happened on December 21st when I trusted. That's the longest night of the year. (laughs) Yeah. It's serious. Yeah. That's kind of cool though. I mean, it has something to do with stars and everything, but (laughs) yeah, it was like the winter solstice. It was, that was, that was the, um, that was the day. And I found out in April, um, I was working part-time in an office. This is another, this is a side story. I was hired. My marriage had ended. Hmm. I needed income. One of my clients was the head of an office and he invited me to, he said he would pay me to help give him astrological advice on the employees. He had like 40 people under him. And he said, I'll give you their birth data and you can give me insights on it. Wow. And that's why one of the days where you could just dig around on social media and find out. No social media then. So, um, so I was working there part-time and being paid by him. Now, when I gave astrology up, obviously I couldn't keep doing that, but here's the thing, the way God timed everything when I gave astrology up, it was early December. My boss was on a leave of absence and was going to, was what he was away like six weeks. Okay. So he did not come back till January. Well, I trusted Christ on December 21st. So when he came back, I was able to tell him I couldn't do it anymore. And why? Because if I had had to tell him before that, it, I, I wouldn't have been able to explain it really, you see. But now I, ha- I had a testimony. And so um, he kept, he was very nice and he gave me busy work and I stayed on for a while. And there, there was a um, coworker there that I had, be, who had befriended me, who was a Christian. And he had often talked to me in these very non-threatening ways. I mean, like he never told me astrology was wrong. 
he knew I was an astrologer, but he would ask me questions about things. And then I would give my opinion and, and he would say, well, what do you think of this? And I kind of liked the fact he would ask me because I thought, well, you know, he obviously respects my opinion. <laughs> and he's really just, he's just all what was going on. I found out in April is that he had been praying for me with a fellowship group, a young, a young adult, you guys, you young adults out there, a young adult fellowship group in his church was praying for me. I didn't know that till April uh, when he came into my office and I said, you know, Jeff, I can't believe a few months ago I was an astrologer and now I'm a Christian. Mm -hmm. And he kind of smiled and he said, maybe somebody was praying for you. And I said, no, I don't know anybody who would pray for me. And then I see, you know, this look on his face (laughs) and I said, oh, wait a minute, were you praying for me? And he said, well, my fellowship, my young adult fellowship group at my church, we were praying for you all last year. Wow. They've been praying when all that stuff happened, they had been praying for me. So I actually had gone into his office in January and told him I'd become a Christian. And he didn't tell me that then. Can I I just jump Um, in and ask a couple of quick questions? One is someone on Facebook Facebook asked, what's the name of your ministry? I already uh, answered that person. Oh, okay. Thank you. Christian Answers for the New Age. Okay. Thank you. I go there a lot, more than I ought to, to look up articles on all kinds of things. I have a website and it's also a Facebook page as well. Okay. What happened to your spirit guide when you converted? I you, totally was going to ask yeah. that. Yeah. This is Red quite Matthew eight, And did you feel like, I don't know, seven ounces lighter or something? You know? <laughs> to break up with him or? Yeah. <laughs> This is what happened. I did not think about him at the time. What happened is I left that church because it was a very open-minded church. I mean, I had people there who wanted my business card and God (laughs) showed me through a series of things that I won't go into that I needed to leave that church. I went to another church that was a bit better, but kind of a mixed bag, but I didn't know how to find a good church. I mean, I didn't know anything. I was a newbie. Yeah. And so, but I did find this church that was better. And um, so what happened was I decided I would join this church, which meant I would I would go to the front of the church and the minister would ask me if I trusted in Christ and all of that. I wanted to be baptized and he didn't want to baptize me. I had to get baptized later. And that's because I was baptized when my mother decided I would be baptized when I was younger. It was not a believer's baptism. Yeah, and I, and I knew that, of course, but he didn't want to baptize. He was a disciples of Christ minister. Okay, I, I think that has something to do with it. But um, so anyway, I would have to go up there. He would ask me questions, and it would be a public proclamation of my faith. So that was Palm Sunday, and so as I sat in the pew, I started feeling sick, mm. and I started feeling nauseous and and dizzy and just really weak like really really weak and I thought I don't know if I can even walk up to the front of the church but I managed to do it and officially you know gave you know said I I believed in Christ and I I still was feeling bad um I had met two people they are former new agers and former members of the church of scientology who became oh, wow. first became my first christian friends and I think the Lord provided them in my life. Um, Tom and Carol, if you're listening, I Aww. love you guys. <laughs> um, and they, they, I, they could relate to me and I could relate to them. And I, I sure. learned so much from, from them. 
And they, we went to lunch and I, you know, and I said, I've just got to go home. I don't feel well. I need to lie down. I went home. I was lying down and I, I, I you know, now here, I don't know if I imagined it or I saw it, but I, I really think I saw things in my room moving. And I felt this presence of, of, of somebody very, 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 I mean, angry in a way of like, not just angry, but like hostility, um, you know, just horrible, horrible hatred. Wow. And I, and then I knew it was my spirit guide, my main yeah. spirit guide. And I realized, at least I thought at the time that he had made me sick. Now, I don't know if that's true or not. But I said, it doesn't matter how sick you make me, even if I die, then I'll just go be with Christ. You can't bring to me. And then I said, you know, I think after I said that, you can't do anything to me that he, he left. Wow. I didn't say, I didn't tell him to go. Um, I just said, you can't do anything to me because I'll just be with Christ. Yeah. So, you know, you go ahead and kill me. I'll just go to Christ, you know? And so that was kind of, that was, you know, that's what I said. And then he was gone. I love it. It's sassy and, and true. I mean, well, it's true. And now I do, I do want to add a little uh, thing here that I actually don't advise people to talk to demons. I don't really think it's a good, I don't think personally, it's my own take on it. I don't think it's really biblical. I think that in that instance, I was a new Christian. I didn't know anything. God was showing me. I think God allowed this to happen for me to understand because I had not understood this, that my spirit guide was a demon and mm -hmm. was against Christ. I had not realized that. And, and so all these months later, God let me see it, I guess, when I was ready to see it. Yeah. And I, my statement was basically an affirmation of who the spirit guide was and that I, I, I had nothing to do with him anymore. And so I think Christ took him away. I don't think I made him leave. Sure. Sure. No, of course not. Christ, Christ removed him. So that is um, powerful stuff though. My if goodness. only there was a herd of swine nearby. It would Okay. Well, I, man, yeah. what a story. We could just do a whole episode just on your story or make it into a movie, my word. Mm -hmm. But I do want to get back to a couple of the questions just to, to flesh right. out a little bit more about the whole astrology thing. Help me out just quickly. Are horoscopes, horoscopes are just sort of like a daily version of your astrological reading. Is that correct? They're daily or monthly. Okay. So in the newspaper, they're usually daily, but in magazines, like almost every woman's magazine, oh my yeah. goodness, it has a monthly horoscope. Here's your monthly horoscope for June, you know? And so <clears throat> those are done, the daily ones are done mainly on the movement of the moon because the moon moves very quickly. So mm -hmm. it changes signs every two and a half days. Okay. And so they'll look at the moon and maybe Mercury and Venus and Mars, which and Mercury and Venus move faster than the other planets. And then they'll, correlate that to your sun sign okay so they'll they'll make come up with a message based i actually wrote a horoscope column for a um actually it was a gay newspaper for <laughs> for a very short while i was filling in for somebody i didn't really like doing it because you know you're just saying something kind of general yeah and um it, i i didn't really like it that much but uh that's how you do it the monthly they then they would look at the monthly movements of the moon and venus 
um, Mercury and Mars. Uh, Mars doesn't move that fast, but it's a little faster and they might look at where the outer planets are. So you could look at the monthly movement for each sign and you would come up with something to say, so this is what your month will be like. Yeah. Okay. So you've talked a lot about moon and sun and planets. So I'm sure one of the questions that people have is like, astronomy and astrology seem to often get put together. So I would love for you to speak a little bit to like, what's the difference between astrology and astronomy, but also I think people tend to do that with, um, some of the stories from the Bible, even like the Magi, right. They followed a star and they were sort of astronomers slash were, were they into some kind of astrology? Yeah, Yeah, they were both because at the time, um, now the difference is that astronomy is a science, right? And astrology, astronomy looks at the physical aspects of the heavenly bodies, yeah, their movements and things like that. Uh, it doesn't have a meaning. Astronomers don't think Mars has anything to do with your ego or that Venus has <laughs> anything to do with your relationships. <laughs> right, That's astrology. Right. So when you give a meaning to it, then you've crossed over to astrology. Yeah. Um, now, astrologers use some astronomical data, like when they calculate the chart. But then they're doing it because they believe there's a meaning there. Mm-hmm. Um, the Magi at the time in the ancient world, of course, there wasn't the concept of science and astronomy, looking at the stars and, and the planets. Of course, they didn't even know they were planets. They thought the planets were stars. Yeah. Um, so they were fast moving too, compared to the other stars that hardly moved. You know, you're looking up at, you know, Venus um, or, you know, it's going to be moving much faster than a, a star. So they they gave significance to the planets. And of course, they could only see up through Saturn at the time. They couldn't see Uranus, um, Neptune or Pluto, which were discovered much later. And so they would talk about these more or less as omens. These were seen more as kind of omens. And they, the information was usually for kings and rulers. Yeah. And do individual. It wasn't like you went to an astrologer and got your chart done, you know, no, it was for like pharaohs and Herod. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It was people like that. And they would give them, you know, these, these things like your enemy is, is going to, is your enemy is going to try to, you know, come and, and fight you or something like that. Sure. So um, there was that kind of thing, but the Magi were, you know, the wise men. So they, they knew that stuff because that was one of the things they did was study the stars in the sky and they knew other things. They probably knew math. They probably knew what at the time was considered medicine mm-hmm. and interpreting dreams. Um, so, but he, my, my take on the, the Magi and the star is that the star was supernatural mm-hmm. and because it didn't behave like a regular star or planet, um, it led them to a certain place and then it's, it apparently disappeared when they went, they went to Bethlehem and asked Herod, you know, right. about, or, or wherever they went and ask, you know, well, where is this King? They didn't know. They didn't know. Mm-hmm. And so then they're told, Oh, here's this prophecy, Bethlehem. Then they go there. Then they see the star over the dwelling place of Jesus. Well, you can't do that with a regular star or a planet. I don't think it was a conjunction. I think because all of the events surrounding the birth of Christ are supernatural. You know, everything, the virgin birth is supernatural. Yeah. The angel coming to Mary, to Joseph, to Zacharias, you have all of these supernatural um, goings on. And I 
and, and, and the angel coming to the fields to the shepherds. Yeah. So I think this was another supernatural event around the birth and, and the early years of Christ. And so that's, I think it was this Shekinah, the glory of God that was, that was over the dwelling place of Christ, Hmm. just like, just like the pillar of fire in the desert and the light over the, 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 the um, tent of meeting that showed the presence of God, the glory of God in the wilderness with uh, the Israelites. So I seems like you've gotten better at Bible reading since the early days. She's talking about Old Testament (laughs) stuff that most Christians don't know. So, okay. Last, last question about the Bible and astrology. And then I am going to let Evan ask something, but what you said something earlier about, you had this sort of like vague notion that Christians didn't like astrology, or maybe it was anti-biblical. Do you think it is that the Bible mentions this kind of thing? Um, yeah, you have in here the, in something in the notes about the Hebrew word for astrology. So talk a little bit about that, maybe. Okay. Yes, there is no Hebrew word for astrology because astrology is a modern word. Yeah, as compared to the Bible and compared to the Old Testament, it's not. It they didn't have that word, but they understood the practice of astrology as you know looking prognostication by the stars. So you know looking at them to get some kind of message about the future, like fortune telling, or um, seeing the stars as gods and bowing down to them. So this idea of, I think, now somebody told me this, I don't know Hebrew, but somebody told me, maybe Evan knows Hebrew, that there is a word, um, a Hebrew word dividing up the skies, and that referred to astrology. Hmm. Um, Because you had, you know, that was part of the thing they did when they were doing mathematical stuff to figure out the movement. So it would also refer to astronomy. But when when God's forbidding this, he's forbidding astrology, which is a form of divination. And yeah. divination definitely is addressed specifically in many places. Now, there is um, the word astrology pops up here and there, like Isaiah 47. The last three verses or so of Isaiah 47, this is a judgment on Babylon. And Isaiah is giving a judgment on Babylon. You know, God is giving him these words. And towards the end, it denounces uh, the astrologers. Well, it's denouncing sorcery and all these um, occult arts that Babylon has turned to instead of God. And astrology is mentioned at the end and says, you know, even the astrologers will have no fire to warm themselves by, you know, it's, you know, they're, they're doing all this stuff, but it doesn't do them any good. You know, Mm -hmm. it's this very strong denunciation. Now I, I have to, you know, I can't remember now I need to go look up and see what the Hebrew word here is, but apparently it indicated astrology. Yeah. And so God does denounce astrology. Um, and it just, he denounces divination, which would include tarot cards, palm reading, you know, um, any kind of what you would call fortune telling, uh, mm-hmm. reading tea leaves, all of crystals? that. Are crystals something about divination or is that just to like protect you or something? Um, there are people who, who look in, like psychics may look in a crystal because that gives them a focus and that would be divination. But if you're using crystals like they usually do in the new age, which is to wear them. Yeah. Um, they believe they have energy in them because they're in the earth so long. They believe they soak up this energy from earth and each ah, crystal has okay. a different kind of purpose. Like this one's good for mental clarity. This one's good to attract love. This one's good for money, blah, blah, blah. You know, gotcha. So okay. that, well, that that's sounds a, like another conversation. Yeah. Though. That's another conversation. Yeah. Patrol, so good for powering vehicles. <laughs> I found that to be the case. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, let me, I'm curious, are, are people born under a bad sign? What do I mean by that? Like, uh, I think that's a line in a song or something, right? Or Probably. Maybe. Okay. But when, when someone would come to you and you would give them a reading, did you ever like, they'd be like, oh yeah, it was, uh, you know, March 14th uh, in uh, Chicago, Illinois. And you'd be like, okay, let me do the math. Oh man, you are doomed. <laughs> Or was it like, okay, well, here are your strengths and weaknesses. Like you said earlier, it's like strengths, weaknesses, yeah. life path, reincarnation. It's going to, you know, it's like, here's the good and the bad. And everyone basically has a good and bad. And related to that was this, I, I mentioned it, I think the last time we talked, it was a Netflix movie about some uh, astrologer named Mercado. I think he had like a huge TV following. I don't even want people to necessarily watch the movie, but um but basically what, what really was annoying was that this guy is an astrologer who is super famous, like only ever had positive things to say about everybody, you know? Yeah. So it was like everybody, you know, it was always great. And um, like, this is what the stars were saying. So when, was anybody doomed basically is my question as a result of when they were born or was it always just an e kind of an equal mixed bag for everybody? It was a mixed bag. And really the way um, I put it and the way most new age astrologers would put it and would be in terms of negative and positive, not good and bad. Okay. okay. So of course I didn't believe in evil. All right. So mm -hmm. most astrologers don't believe in evil. Um, so you believe in negative and, and positive potentials. So I would mm -hmm. tell people, okay, here you have this particular um, conjunction in your chart. That's a very challenging conjunction or a very challenging aspect between the sun and Saturn, let's say. Um, and this is very difficult, but you can use it in a positive way. You can use the energy of the Saturn on your sun and, and make, you know, basically make lemon out of, I mean, lemonade out of lemons. Mm -hmm. So the idea is that you, you point the person towards the idea that they can do something positive with this energy in their chart, or they can do something negative. And maybe they've already experienced the negative side of it. And that's why charts, for example, of twins, um, first of all, even a few minutes difference can shift the chart enough to make it slightly different. But even if it's basically the same two charts, you can, and I did some charts for twins or, a, or one person of the twin set. And I would say, you know, you know, you can choose to do this with these aspects of your chart. And then your twin may choose something else. And so your lives are not necessarily going to come out the same just because the charts are similar. So this is part of the influence of psychology. Yeah. And the idea of, um, and Carl Jung too, looking at yeah. these kind of supposedly more profound meanings um, in the chart so that it's not just this personal path that you're restricted on. You know, you have these choices, how to live it out. So that's how I did. That's how I did astrology. And I think most of the people I knew did astrology like that. Let me ask you this. And, and we are sitting in an hour now, so I don't, we could go on forever, but <laughs> when people would ask you like, what's the harm in it now? What mm. is your response to that? Maybe there's a couple of responses. Cause I feel like that so many people, whether it's the Enneagram or this or wearing crystals or whatever, it's like, okay, so it doesn't share a Christian worldview, but like, what's the harm? What would you say? Yes. That's a good question, Sarah. Yes, uh, there is a harm here. There's a, you cannot take something that God forbids lightly. First of all, just as a Christian, if God is forbidding something and says have not have nothing to do with this, that should be enough for us. 
Yeah. Really. We should really just be like, okay, God says that's bad. That's wrong. I'm not going to do it. You know, no matter what we, whether we think we understand the reasons or not, Mm -hmm. God has said, don't do it. But, you know, I mean, I can give you reasons. (laughs) And, you know, of course, the um, astrology and all of the occult practices um, originated with the worship of false gods. Mm-hmm. So that's why in Deuteronomy 18, um, 10 through 14 is the passage that really talks about that. And it lists, I think it's uh, verses 10 and 11 that list all the occult practices, uh, casting spells, you know, divination, uh, contact with the dead, etc. That's all listed there. Um, spirit contact. And God is very clear, have nothing to do with this because this is what they do in the nations where I am leading you. So he's leading them into the pagan, you know, lands mm-hmm. where people have turned away from God and they have turned to false gods. And God tells them this. I mean, he tells them they have turned to false gods. And this is, has, you know, this is something I abhor. Yeah. And, you know, it's abominable to me. Don't do it because these practices are connected to the worship of false gods. Yeah. So even if you're not worshiping a false god, you're doing a practice that comes from that and it's connected to it because you are looking, you're using a method that's looking for an answer that is not the way God gives us to find answers. Yeah, that's God a good gives us, God gives us his word. He gives us prayer. You know, he gives us counsel through other believers. Mm-hmm. We find answers. These other ways that God provides, we don't find them in these methods. Yeah. And one of the appeals of these methods is that they're quick and easy. So I have come across Christians who are in a crisis in their life. They're in a real crisis. They don't know what to do or something bad has happened and they're praying and they don't feel God's answering them. And they, they don't, you know, they don't, they aren't getting what they need. So they will out of desperation Mm -hmm. go to an astrologer or a psychic. I've talked to many Christians who do this and it usually doesn't end up very good. They end up, they stop going to church. They Mm -hmm. stop reading the Bible. They stop praying. They start relying on the psychic or the astrologer. And I talked to one woman. I remember this so vividly years ago. And I, after talking to me, she became convinced she could not see the psychic anymore. Um, Actually, I'm sorry. It was an astrologer. I said, you need to just tell her you are not coming back. I said, don't tell her, don't give her an explanation. Just say, I'm not coming back. I've decided not to come back. Cause I said, she'll try to argue with you. Hmm. And she was afraid to call yeah. her. I said, and so I had to encourage her through that. She may, she managed to do it, but it was very hard for her to do. Yeah. Um, because there's this tie that kind of forms, I'm not trying to make it sound, you know, supernatural or anything, but there's this kind of bond that forms with these people. If you're getting advice from them and, and they have sort of this hold on you and it can be very hard to break that. Well, and you feel known. That's like one of the core things that humans desire, but right. Exactly. You feel like this person knows about me. They know my situation. They understand they care about me and maybe they really do care about you, but they do not have the answers to you. That's right. So I tell them, you know, what's, this is just going to get worse until you stop, until you stop doing this. So yeah. it's, 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 it's damaging, spiritually damaging. Now, of course, if you're not a Christian, it's really damaging because it can lead you further and further away from Christ. If you are a Christian, it can damage your walk with, with Christ. Like this woman I talked to who yeah. had stopped going to church 
And so she wasn't getting fed spiritually. She wasn't getting what she should get as a Christian, you know, reading the word or praying. And so she's famine, basically famishing, you know, spiritually, she's in a spiritual famine and getting this counterfeit from the astrology. Yeah. That's man. If people want more information about this kind of thing, I would just highly recommend your website is a treasure trove for all kinds of, um, I mean, you don't just talk about astrology. You talk about all kinds of cult and pagan practices and even finding them in the most unlikely places. You might not think they are. They are. Um, so check out Christian answers for the new age. It's, is it cana.org? What is it? It's, it's, you have to, you have to type it out. Christian answers for the new age. If you just put that in Google, it'll yeah. take to the, the website right away. And on Facebook, if you put it in the search box on Facebook, it'll take you to my ministry page, which you can like and follow if you want to see all my posts on there relate to the new age and the occult. Yeah. She's going to find the pagan and the occult and all kinds of things that you're like, Oh, I liked that. But yeah, now I can't see it the same again. I know. No, no, no. It just, it just is, it's, it's so out there. It's so the new age is so mainstream. It's so easy to find. I just wrote, I finally saw and wrote a whole thing on frozen too. Yeah. And you know, because it's there. I mean, I am not going to say it's not there if it's there, you know? And as a former practitioner, you see it so much more quickly than so many. So I'm thankful for that because oftentimes you'll say something and I'll think, oh, yeah, now I see it. Of course with frozen too, I totally kept pausing it and saying, this is a mess, but anyway, we, we digress. We have got to go. Thank you so much for joining us today and um, helping us out again. We'll, we'll have to think of another, maybe we'll talk about crystals next time or chakras or something. Oh yeah. I but, can come up with several topics. <laughs> I bet. Anyway, well, thank you so much. And for those listening again, um, subscribe, like us, all the things and check us out at HoustonTOT.com. You can also go to Facebook and check out Theology on Tap Houston. And until we see you next, we encourage you as always to question freely, think deeply and disagree as needed.